I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast and our video cast as well. Now you can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Radio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. And now we're on Megaphone through the C-Suite network as well. Also, you can see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way right there on the bottom of your screen. KramerandBrill.com. Now, during the offseason, each week we'll be taking a look at each NFL team as they prepare for the draft and the upcoming year. We'll also uh, do that with local reporters who cover those teams to get their perspective. And this week, we're joined by D. Orlando Ledbetter, who covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And uh, D., welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, you, you got it. This was not a great season for the Falcons. Uh, uh, it had some good things and not so good things. But uh, yeah, you want to recap a little bit of that for us? Yeah, they started 0-5, uh, couldn't hold leads. Uh, then the coach got fired and the interim, uh, Raheem Morris, took over. They, uh, they won a couple there, got it moving in the right direction, and then ended with losing all five. So it was a 4-12 and season, uh, their worst campaign since 2007, when they also went 4-12 and under, under Bobby Petrino. Well, I, uh, I'll say this, there I was uh, once a Falcon myself, not for long, but mm-hmm. back in 87 during the strike, I played a few games, and they ended up keeping me. After that, didn't play anymore after that, but that was my one year in Atlanta. So I guess looking ahead, now you got a new GM, right, in Terry Fontenot and new head coach and coach and Arthur Smith. Um, coming in, what do you think, can you foresee what kind of team Arthur Smith is going to handle or put, I guess, put his imprint on? As you just mentioned, one of the big issues for the Falcons last year was giving up leads late in games. And uh, what kind of, I guess, imprint here do you see Arthur Smith uh, leaving with the Falcons or bringing? Bringing, yeah, Eric. I believe he's going to try to play uh, some more power football. They're going to have to get stronger up front, uh, maybe add some more people. Uh, that'll allow them to run the ball and then play action fake off of that. Um, the offensive line hasn't been able to run the ball or, uh, or protect Matt Ryan. He's had over 40 sacks in the last four seasons. So, uh, you know, in the red zone, flow, the problems in the red zone flow from the line not being able to block. So I think power, he's got to get some power up front on the line and, you know, find a running back. And then defensively, some, you know, it's been a, a decade-long problem here is uh, getting to the pass rusher. So they don't have uh, – you don't see anybody over there that's going to do that for you. But uh, they have some building blocks. If you count Grady Jarrett uh, at, at nose tackle or defensive end, then Deion Jones and Foye Ulukan at linebacker, and then the rookie cornerback, A.J. Terrell, had a good year. So, I mean, outside of those four, everybody else's job is open, and he's got to find some kind of way to play power football and then some kind of way to rush the passer. Those will be the, uh, his big challenges. And he'd be played power ball in Tennessee, so he's expected to bring that style here to Atlanta. So where does the running back situation sit at this point? Uh, I know uh, it's, it's been a kind of a um, mix and match for several years, trying to find the right guy. This year it looked like maybe at times they found the right guy and maybe not. So I, I guess the, where, where does it end up uh, this year and where, where, do you, where, where do they look at? 
Well, Bob, they uh they had signed Gurley to a one-year contract, and then Brian Hill is also set to be a free agent. Th those were the top two backs. They ended the season with Edo Smith as the lead back, and, you know, he's the smallest pass-catching back, so I don't think he can carry the full load by himself. Uh, then they uh, have a couple younger backs that were signed on future deals. So uh, they'll be in the market for a back, whether that's uh, – Aaron Jones uh, out of Green Bay in free agency or, you know, through the draft. I don't know where the money's coming from. They, they're way over the cap, so you probably can't get an established veteran and you'll be uh, dependent on the draft or the low-level uh, burning back market, kind of like uh, what Carolina did last year with Mike Davis. Yeah, I'm interested to see, as you mentioned, about being kind of heavy over the cap right now. Uh, which is likely to drop anyway. Um, and, you know, you talk about Arthur Smith and the type of football, at least from an offensive perspective, how he's going to hopefully establish more of a running game like they've got and had in, t in Tennessee. Um, but with Matt Ryan, even though he's been very durable and a great passer himself, not a great runner. So what do you foresee, I guess, in the future? I think obviously Matt Ryan's going to be their quarterback of the near future, but beyond that, you see them going in a different type of direction in terms of a different style of quarterback? Uh, yeah, I think they, uh, they've been studying them. The uh, former general manager has started studying mobile quarterbacks the last two drafts. Uh, they weren't ready to pull the trigger on one. They may uh, be ready to do that this year. Uh, you've got a couple intriguing uh, prospects in Zach Wilson and Justin Fields who may be available to you at, at four. Uh, but, you know, they can go with Matt Ryan for two years. He's got three years left on his contract. And uh, I was just writing my Peyton Manning Hall of Fame story uh, yesterday. And, you know, he played for 14 years in Indianapolis and then went to Denver for four. And I'm like, hey, next year will be Matt's 14th year here. So, um, you know, maybe they are ready to transition at that position. And uh, uh, we, we could maybe see that start here in April with the fourth pick overall. You know, I, I look at uh, Atlanta, Atlanta's teams and, you know, I love the wide receivers down there. Um, some pretty big contracts. I imagine uh, Julio Jones has a, has a pretty big contract at this point, maybe time to renegotiate that. Uh, but talk about the wide receivers because you got some great ones down there. Yes. The, um, you know, Julio, of course, uh, uh, is the big, big name, but Calvin Ridley had the big season last year, uh, 1,300 yards uh, and so forth. So uh, he's ready to, uh, you know, maybe be a number one or a 1A or 1B or, uh, or however you want to do it. Uh, but he can get open deep, and if given the time, Matt can get it to him. You know, he's such a great route runner that, uh, you know, his double move routes are, you know, generally end with him being wide open. So, uh, you know, Matt just has to have time to deliver. And, and, you know, that's been a problem. But Russell Gage, the number three, stepped forward. He took the place of Muhammad Sanu. And so those are your top three. Then after that, you have Christian Blake and Christian uh, uh, Powell. Uh, or, uh, and the uh, Laquan Treadwell was here last year and came in as a red zone threat late in the season to catch a little sit-down routes and so forth. But he's a free agent, the former first-round pick of the Vikings. So there is some depth at the wide receiver position. I'd like to talk uh, or have you talk a little bit about maybe some potential running back um, candidates, maybe that aren't there on the roster just yet. 
and tight end as well. Obviously, that's a big uh, component for this type of offense that Arthur Smith put in there in Tennessee with Johnny Smith at tight end. Uh, do you see anybody coming up, either via free agency or through the draft, either as a running back, contributor, or tight end? Yeah, at running back, of course, you know, the folks around here uh, love the Najee Harris kid from Alabama. You know, you probably can't take him four, and then he's maybe not there at 36. So, um, you know, that's not a possibility uh, long term. The Michael Carter kid from North Carolina had a, a good senior bowl. So, you know, you could start looking in the third round, second round for running backs. Uh, Travis Atn from Clemson would be a dynamic back, but might not be there uh, in the second round, too. So, uh, you know, then you get into that next level of backs. I think the kid's uh, name is Gamwell at Memphis. Uh, Memphis has another back that's coming out. Uh, that's where Antonio Gibson came from last year uh, and, and did pretty good for uh, Washington football team. So, uh, we'll get into the running backs a little deeper, but those are the kind of, you know, ones that have surfaced here early in the draft, uh, pre-draft process, um, you know, and, and uh, what was the other position there, Eric? Tight end. Tight end. You yeah. lost, yeah. right? You yeah. had Hunter Henry a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hayden Hurst is the, um, the guy who they traded the second round pick to Baltimore last year. And uh, uh, they got, uh, Dobbins, the back from Ohio State with that pick. So, uh, but Hayden Hurst came on last year. Him and Matt didn't have, uh, they, they didn't have the same connection that he had with uh, Austin Hooper, who left for Cleveland. Hooper, right, right. Yeah, Hooper. Uh, but, um, you know, Hurst has a big upside, they still believe, that uh, he can, uh, you know, uh, get open in the red zone. He's got, he's athletic. Uh, I kept waiting for them to throw uh, the ball down the field to him more, but, you know, that was the issue with the blocking. So um, they think he's got an upside. They got another kid on the roster named Jaden Graham, who's uh, from Yale, but a uh, uh, good pass catcher, good route runner, uh, you know, a little light as far as uh, the blocking that Arthur Smith's going to be requiring the tight end to do uh, in the run game. So, they're going to have to, um, you know, find some more veteran tight ends, some more senior tight ends that could help them in the run game while they already have a couple pass catching type of tight ends. You know, with the uh, the cap space being what it is this year and being low, uh, a lot of teams are facing the fact they're going to lose free agents. Have, have uh, the Falcons discussed, I'm sure they've had some offers because the number four pick is a uh, a tempting pick. Have they discussed trading that pick maybe for uh, some some of the needs they need to fill? Yeah, for some additional considerations. Yes, they uh, that's going to be in play here. They were not happy with the Stafford and golf trade because that took away one of their uh, potential trading partners. So, um, you know, Denver maybe comes up to get their pick. Uh, you know, there's a couple other options where they could trade out of four because they don't want a quarterback right now. If, if they, you know, decide they don't, then they can trade back and get more picks to aid, aid that defense. Cause that defense, um, you know, needs some players that, that, uh, you know, can make some plays and stop some folks. So uh, they certainly will be in play and trading back in the draft. You, know, you mentioned the defense early on in here, just again, uh, has anybody jumped out in terms of maybe, if they do trade and draft back or, or drop back down in the draft, any names that come up in that mid-level first round area that could potentially make an impact defensively, either as an edge rusher 
maybe a possible secondary player, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Micah Parsons, the Penn State kid, is one. Russo, the Miami edge rusher, and you know uh, he didn't play this year, so that's a you know that that's going to be a scouting problem. Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Sertan, the cornerback, Patrick Sertan Jr. Uh, also, maybe even later in the first round, uh, if you go back that far, or, or if you pick up a pick that that late. Uh, maybe Asante Samuel Jr. as a cornerback. Uh, you know, those are some of the defenders that we're keeping track of here early in the process because, uh, you know, they they uh, nobody's got a uh, secure job over there except for those four people I mentioned. Well, if you look at uh, the offensive line, because we, we know they need help there, uh, is, there's a couple of pretty good offensive linemen that are expected to go in the top five. Uh, one of them, uh, probably the one that would be left, for you guys, if you went that way, it'd be Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Is that uh, that an option that they're looking at in the first round, the offensive line? Uh, yeah, they got to look at it, Bob. They definitely have to because, uh, you know, because of the sack numbers I stated and the ability to run, uh, you know, Alex Max getting ready to, you know, if he keeps playing, uh, you know, they can't afford him. They don't have $9 million for him uh, under the cap. So he's 35. He's more than likely going to go elsewhere. Uh, so you don't have a – you might have drafted your center last year in Matt Hennessy. He's going to get a shot at it. You don't have a left guard, and your right tackle has been shaky over first two over his first two years in the league. And then you got Jake Matthews at left tackle. So, yeah, you can add a tackle and start him on the right or, you know, move him in the guard. Uh, but the kid from Oregon would be the, um, you know, top pick at four. And then you got some, you know, Slater from Northwestern's another uh, option. Uh, that we've seen maybe the Falcons, uh, you know, trying to add to that line to get them a little bit more powerful up front. You know, going back to Arthur Smith for a minute, you know, this is, I guess, his first head coaching job, right, on any level. Yes. And I, I'm a big fan of what he put together with Tennessee. And what he crafted is what you're saying is hopefully coming to Atlanta, and that's his run-heavy, play-action pass, solid running game that leads to a very effective passing game. Um, in terms of being a head coach there, what do you think Arthur Smith brings or is going to bring to the Falcons? Yeah, Eric, um, I watched that closely, uh, uh, you know, because we've been hearing his name for, you know, at least the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, all the players I know that play for him speak highly of him and, and said that he'll command the room and earn the team's respect. So um, I'm thinking that's going to be a, uh, you know, Harry Douglas was over there with him and, uh, uh, you know, Mike Malarkey, I talked talk to him. He was with him. He gave him his first job over there. And uh, Mike um, really spoke highly of Arthur and projected him into the head coaching position as a, uh, as a good projection. And what I like mostly about him, uh, uh, Eric, is that he – Brought in a veteran staff, uh, Dean P, 71, very senior defensive coordinator. Uh, he's got guys with at least 10 years in the league at just about all the key spots. Uh, so, you know, the fact that he's got a staff in here that the players are going to have to respect, they're going to have to go out and play for, I think is very important for them. You know, as uh, we look at the, this particular season, are they looking at this as a rebuild, or are they looking at this as they can complete compete for maybe a playoff spot, maybe an outside shot at their division? Yeah, I don't know if they're delusional or not, but they uh, <laughs> they they 
they think they can get back in the mix right away. You know, um, they, they uh, you know, the league's an eight and eight league. And, and uh, you know, if you can get to your eight and eight and stick still a couple more games, then you're 10 to six, you're in the playoffs. So the, the talent disparity, they have their talent rated pretty high, um, higher than, 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 you know, some of us in the media do, but, you know, we don't know any better. But uh, uh, they think, you know, with a couple good moves, uh, fix the line, you got a quarterback and a wide receiver, and, hey, you got to score points in this league, and you can jump right back in the mix. So, um, you know, we'll have to see if that's the case. I don't know what they do on defense. Um, you know, they got, a, a, you know, a lot of draft picks over there that have underperformed. They're going to need them to, uh, you know, either step it up or move on from them. That was one of the problems with the past regime. They kept their draft picks around even when they knew they couldn't play. When they should have went out and got – they should have went out and got uh, players from – uh, you know, that were better than the ones that they were, um, you know, trying to play. Yeah, I not to send out just, uh, you know, this happens all the time because it doesn't, but my last year playing was 1999, and that was in San Diego. We were in uh, the third preseason game of the year playing in St. Louis. That was a game that Rodney Harrison took out uh, Trent Green, mm -hmm. that the Rams then went on to insert a guy named Kurt Warner, win the MVP, win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So um, it can be done. And I think the Falcons do have a better roster than their 4-12 and 12 record did indicate. And obviously, they were kind of one of those teams, kind of like Detroit. You know, Detroit had a chance to win a lot of games mm -hmm. that they end up losing for whatever reason. Um, and so I think Atlanta is further along than a lot of teams with that kind of record last year. Hopefully that can kind of get them going, at least with a fresh start, new head coach, and as you said, kind of a new atmosphere in the building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that uh, yeah, that that'll be uh, very interesting because you know you do have a a veteran coordinator. Uh, you got a uh, uh, coach Emmanuel up front and coach Mancino, guys that have been around the league, so they know they'll have a plan for this team. It's uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, Dean P's coming over, having Coach Ray Lewis and Ed Reed in Baltimore. Uh, you know, that's definitely going to command the room. But yeah, I just wanna, I just wish we'd have a regular off season where we could see them in mini camp and see them installing and, uh, you know, and they're not trying to put this thing all together on Zoom this off season, but you know, we gotta get to that place. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. I just wanna see them put it together and then we'll get uh, to the season, you know, and, and get some exhibition games in maybe this time around and, uh, you know, have a shot at being, you know, a team that could make that big leap. The Orlando Ledbetter covers the Atlanta Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, guy, we want to appreciate you being with us today. It's been fun. Well, thank you, Bob and Eric. It's been a pleasure coming on your show, and thanks for having me. You got it. Each Thanks, week, Carol. we'll visit a different NFL team and talk with local experts, reporters about that team and the draft and its future for the upcoming NFL season. A new team each week, so be sure to join us again next week. And there you have it, Kramer and Brill, fantasy football podcast and now videocast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Radio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now you can also see the videocast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. And there you have it uh, for... Uh, Dear Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and my friend and colleague Eric Kramer. I'm Bob Brill. We'll see you next time.